watches The Watchmen? We do! Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Tara, and we are going to talk about Watchmen Season 1, Episode 8. It is called A God Walks In to a Bar. Now, you're probably <laughs> saying... Sorry? <laughs> clever. Um, well, did you... Well, hold on. Did you know this was clever? Yeah. Okay. So, what do you... Because I, I didn't actually get this. I had to Google a bar. And what 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 do, what do what do you associate a bar with? Angela Abar. Ah no, you're gonna like this then because it's got another meaning on top of that. Mm. I haven't even thought of that. That's actually quite good. But on top of that, <laughs> I googled I googled a bar just to see what would come up. Right, thinking oh maybe it's like a biblical reference or something. You know, a bar sounds like it could be like a you know a Bible name or something. You know, uh, out of that fictional book. But anyway, um, so. I googled it, and the first one of the first things that came up on Wikipedia was a black exploitation film from 1977 called "I Shit You Not," Abar, the first black Superman. Very cool. Yeah. That can't be a coincidence. No, there's no way that's a coincidence. Um, they probably... I wonder if they came up with Lindel- if Lindelof came up with the name Abar for Angela and Cal to have. Probably because of that. Yeah, pro- I yeah. imagine so. He probably named them that for that reason, but um, I never thought about it, and then I. Because let's be honest, I didn't remember her last name. That's why I didn't think of that. <laughs> but, but I googled a bar, and that's what came up, and I thought that was pretty neat. So, um, and given that, I mean, not not only is Angel named a bar, the fact that Manhattan kind of not doesn't walk into his body, but kind of becomes an a bar, mm-hmm. like you know, he walks into a bar, but he's also walking into a bar, literally on you know, on the yeah, it's, it's, all of it's wonderful. It's all making sense. It's all beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is fantastic and probably the best episode of the show. Do you agree? Might be the best episode of television I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go that far. I can't go that far. But oh top, my god, it's beautiful. Top twenty. It's so beautiful. Top twenty episodes of all time, maybe. I can maybe give you that. <laughs> um, but I've watched a lot of good TV, so you know. What, what, what am I looking for? Oh. I want my pen. I want to click my pen. My pen's not there. I'm, I'm annoyed. That's my pen. My pen. Do you remember reading The Watchmen for the first time? For the first time, sure. It was probably about 2007, 2008, something in that range. Yeah, I think it was around there for me too. And like everyone telling you that the comic book is special and then you get to the Dr. Manhattan issue where he is mm. trying to, or where Alan Moore is sort of in a way writing like the mind of God and how maybe they would foresee time and you read that one and you go oh this isn't just special it's like extraordinary yes and i gotta say like lindelof nails it yeah that, that, that's episode, I, I had that feeling watching this this episode is very much this show's version of that issue of the comic and we'll get into it um it's really well done in a number of ways if I, i'm going to, i'm going to try something we'll see if this works Tara has a great deal of respect for me and thinks I am very intelligent and has a great revere for me. I know this because she's going to tell me this in 20 minutes' time. We'll see if this pans out. <laughs> we'll see if this pans out. Linda Laugh did not write our review, so <laughs> don't hold your breath. So, you know, just for the joke, in 20 minutes' time, you could humor me <laughs> and tell me that, okay? <laughs> just for the joke, woman. <laughs> All just right. can't lie to the people <laughs> this is an outrage this is an outrage damn it 
I actually took notes for this episode, and I wasn't intending to. Um, I watched the episode yesterday, and obviously it was a very complicated episode because it was jumping back and forth because it was doing all this Doctor Manhattan perspective of things shifting and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we were going to re- record tonight, and you said, "Oh, I'll be ready in about an hour," and you, you even said, "I'm going to watch the episode again because I want to rewatch it." And I said, "You know what? I've got nothing else to do for the next hour. I'm going to watch it again." So I took notes as I was watching it for the second time, uh, and it starts. And I said, "I think we said last week they have to they have to tell us a story." We have to get flashbacks to how manhattan and angela became a couple and how how it mm-hmm. happened and they they spent the whole episode basically doing that in the most best way they possibly could by doing it from manhattan's perspective where time is going back and forth we get different time periods overlapping each other we get his perspective on things which leads to a lot of the great little jokes a great little moments there's actually a moment towards the end of this episode that i thought was very touching all right so we start i actually i got confused when I to my notes uh right before we started because i looked at the first thing i'd written and it was uh, manhattan dash bar and i went that was vietnam not manhattan why did i write manhattan oh <laughs> We're off to a good start. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. I should have written Dr. Manhattan. And that would have made it clear. Uh, so it's just me not understanding my own notes. Uh, so Dr. Manhattan lands in the street. And I remembered one of these shots from the very first trailer. Because it, it was like a tease at the end of the trailer where he's bending down to pick something up. And we see here it's actually a Manhattan mask. He puts on one of the plastic Manhattan masks. So that mm-hmm. no one sees that it's really him. And, it, and obviously the first thing we have to mention is the cinematography hides his face. We never actually get to see what he looks like, his face until he changes it so we never know actually know what he looked like originally we never get to see what raw dr manhattan looked like i think it's okay oh that's great that's a great idea yeah i don't i mean i'm fine with the decision i was curious too like when they're gonna show me when they're gonna show me and of course they don't but it's all right i mean we get the idea i I think it's genius i I think leaving it to mystery kind of it's like he's kind of whatever you imagine it's it's this idea that he's so mythical in our minds that anything they could show us would be almost too definitive so it's like no no just in our heads we'll have that glowy blue face whatever version and then from then on afterwards when he changes it's it's cal in some capacity yeah. so uh, i thought that was really neat but uh but i liked all the shots where they were hiding it where there was like an empty glass in front of his face and the, the foreground sort of making it all blurry or you know there'd be all these little things uh so he sits down, Angela's there. Uh, we, don't, we don't necessarily know right away what this is, but we find out later this is 2009, which amusingly is when the movie came out. Just uh, coincidental, because it was 10 years ago, but, you know. Uh, and she's in Vietnam, she's a cop, and he sits down and uh, he you know, he offers her a beer and she, she's like, no, get lost, I'm leaving. He's like, hey, if I tell you, if I can, if I can guess why you're, you're commiserating and why you're drinking here alone tonight, will you have the beer with me? And she's like, sure you're commiserating the memory of your parents death it's just the it's the anniversary and she's like okay i suppose fair fair play <laughs> you got it right <laughs> sit down yeah she immediately suspects that somebody set him over there to yeah. talk to her somebody yeah. from the precinct or whatever she says yeah because she asked how do you know that and he's like well i'm dr <laughs> manhattan and panda tell you yeah. panda's not here yet and regina <laughs> king throughout this entire like this this conversation cause we come back to this bar conversation throughout the episode like her her reactions and playing along and being like hey, this guy's full of bullshit and she's kind of like just sort of sarcastically going along with it uh for mm-hmm. the but eventually she, her tongue gets a little more flirty it's working sure sure yeah yeah uh but you know she says you know how do you know this is the, the anniversary of my parents death and he's like because you tell me in 20 minutes time 
and I'm like, okay. And it was it was at that moment he said that. Okay, first of all, that's going to happen later in the episode. We're actually going to get to that moment. But secondly, mm-hmm. I immediately realized what they were going to do with this episode. Not maybe not exactly, yeah. but like I, I realized, okay, we're doing the Manhattan perspective. We're going to be jumping around all over the place. Um, and you know, so some really great stuff comes from that. Uh, he explained some things that you know we kind of. I kind of guess to a point, but you know, he says, I've not been on Mars. That That's just a, a basically a holographic video loop to pretend that I'm on Mars. I've been on Europa, um, which, uh, did you, did you, you correctly guessed mm-hmm. the, the, the moon, right? You said Europa. Yeah. Take a point. I did. Take a point. You're on Amateur point. astronomer at the works. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you can sort of see a moon in the background of it that look like uh, Io, which is like a more orangey moon and it's because it's volcanic. And I thought it's probably Io, which means it's the next closest one, which is Europa. I think the other two would be too cold, too desolate. They are um, Ganymede and Callisto. Not in that order though. You were supposed to tell me (laughs) that I was really impressive and smart in 20 minutes, not the other way around. (laughs) Now I need to tell you you're really impressive and smart. Yeah, there are some things I learned in school that I kept. <laughs> Usually <laughs> stuff about space. <laughs> I wish I'd learned more about space in school. I should have picked physics. I never picked physics. I did chemistry instead. I, I've made mistakes, damn it. Anyway, yeah. uh, so he tells that. Um, and then he talks about creating life. He talks about creating life. And we see this kind of montage of him making the bubble and like rising the very first Phillips and Crookshank, Miss Crookshank, uh, you know, out of the water. Um, and they're you know they're they're all naked and he, we only ever see him from behind and he's walking on the water because she makes a little dig oh hey you walk on water it's like sometimes <laughs> like no biggie <laughs> okay I, I know what Manhattan likes to pretend he doesn't have an ego he's got an ego he's he's very carefully dropping all these little by the way I'm basically a god like <laughs> in, in a conversation just as much as he can um, but you know so we see this all create we see them the manner uh, that he makes for them which we've we've seen. Uh, as Anderson, we've, we've seen this. We've seen Vite in this place. Uh, so it confirms he made this. And then, of course, you know, she, when they come back, she she kind of brings up, uh, or he tells you know, he tells her how he knows about the parents 20 minutes later, or blah, blah, blah. And this is when it goes into the first sort of extended kind of like time period. Mm-hmm. When she asks about the English manor and he explains where that comes from, you know, he didn't just make one from scratch. He transported one from somewhere in England, which is where he and his father went to, uh, you know, for shelter essentially during uh, you know Nazi Germany time. Too. Yeah, because his, his father was Jewish and they they fled. Uh, I I don't remember the, the, the I'm sure this is in the comic, but the detail about how his mother you know fell in love with an SS officer. That's a pretty dark backstory. I don't remember that either. Yeah, but you know we see. Well, and, I think I'll we only really learn that he's a immigrant and his dad made watches. Hmm. Yeah, and we see that here as well. His dad is making watches because it's something that he can fix. Uh, which is kind of a sad sentiment, you know. Like he, he focuses on that because he can fix those things. He can't fix his own life, but he can fix the watches. That's a great writing does, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so, uh, and we find out I mean, we kind of you know see this coming, I think, to a point where, uh, but eventually, kid, kid John is uh, running through, and he kind of he, he's he's kind of sneaking around. He steals an apple. He's doing all these things, and he ends up in a, in a big closet, and he's or a big bedroom, and he's sneaking about. But people are coming in, so he hides in the closet, and it's uh, it's you know the the Mister Misses of this this manor, and lo and behold, it's the human beings that Miss Crookshanks and Phillips 
are based on and mm-hmm. they're 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 having sex well they're starting to have sex until until he makes a noise and obviously they get startled mm-hmm. and uh all stops and they come to speak to him afterwards and they're nice to him and they try to explain to him hey you know what we were doing wasn't wrong like you you saw something kind of natural and they try to kind of explain it to him that they were creating life um a beautiful thing yeah a beautiful thing and they hand him a bible which they're clearly going to hand out to everyone because they've got like a big stack of them all wrapped up ready to go and he's like oh as i have one my father doesn't believe in any of this and and i thought it was kind of an interesting response where uh and i'm going to call it crookshanks because I mean, that's probably not a real name but like yeah you know but crookshanks says oh that's okay i mean even if you don't believe there's still a lot of exciting stories in there um never read it I, i'm not going <laughs> to confirm or deny that um, i have yeah are they exciting is, is there is there fun to be had i like the stories Okay. I mean, I admittedly, I've only read the the Old Testament, not the New Testament. That's the violent but, stuff. Yeah, the good I like stuff. the stories. I think the stories are great, and I like the expanded material. Like, I love John Milton, and I love Paradise Lost, which is just expands on the story of Genesis. The Bible has an expanded universe. What the Bible, Star Wars, all of a sudden? What was happening? <laughs> yeah, but they're legends, not canon. <laughs> Although Milton often gets confused with the real canonical Bible. Because his stories are so good. I just heard you refer to something that's not canon to the Bible. That's just really funny to me. No, it, that's where the word canon comes from. If it's canonical, it means it's biblical. Because there's, uh, there there are other stories that are written around the same time, but they're not considered canon. They're Wait, called pseudopigrapha or something. Right. This might not mean that much to you, but this will mean a lot to some of our audience. So you're telling me that Old Testament to New Testament it was basically the Bible's version of a crisis what (laughs) (laughs) in dc comics right when they want to reset reality and change things up they have what's called a crisis the big one being the first big one was crisis on infinite earths and it merged (laughs) all the earths into one earth so it rewrote the history of everyone so there was this new earth after the crisis so so yeah back to the episode (laughs) yes uh I mean, no, I mean, I think thematically there's maybe some stuff in there. I mean, because we do talk about Manhattan being a god and he's creating things mm-hmm. here. So there's, there's some relevance in there, but I... Uh, yeah, he's literally creating Genesis <laughs> yes. on Europa. Yes. If I, I wanna, if I, creating the Garden of Eden. I, I actually, I joke here about, I, I made a dig earlier about calling it fictional, yeah, the Bible, but uh, Manhattan actually says that in this episode at one point. He, he refers to it as uh, yeah. uh, fabricated or whatever, um, which, you know... Um, you know, it makes sense that Manhattan would not be religious. I mean, he's a god figure. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he could literally see the universe for what it is. He's, he's not got any delusions of, you know, higher beings. He is one. <laughs> he's like, no, there's nothing above me in the food chain. It's me. Yeah. Me but the- he, he does look. He's kind of spiritual though, in a way. I mean, he does still, like, use science as a. Uh, like a spirituality sure he does like the way he refers to Lori's birth and how like um oh, i can't remember the way he he explains it in the watchman book but and how like uh like he calls her a miracle right yeah that's because a, of all the possible combinations of people that could exist it's her even though it was the most unlikely of circumstances because she was the offspring of a woman who and a man that uh, hated each other and should never have like, sure yeah he's he, together 
he 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 respects the of chance i suppose mm-hmm. if you will um but he, i think he refers to it in something other than a miracle but yeah i can't but, remember but, but this is the weird thing about manhattan is that he kind of negates the, the 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 idea of chance because from his perspective everything is going to happen no matter what so there's a there's a mm-hmm. question that comes up of, is there any free will is there anything we no. can actually do um we just straight up know there is no free will i don't think he believes in free will we went on such a, a ramble there that I'm actually not entirely sure we left off on my... my notes. It was creation, creating the, the manor and the, the, the reasons for that and the, all the stuff from his childhood. That's what we're talking about. And then he ends that with saying, so I created them not in my image, I created Adam and Eve in their image because they're the kind of the, the memory he has of, of creating life. Like That's kind of the first fundamental thing he thinks about is the, the speech they gave him uh, all those years <laughs> ago. Uh, 70 years ago, as he points out. Uh, so Manhattan's pretty old. I mean, he's not aging in the same way that other people do, if at all. No. Did you know Regina King's 48? Uh, I didn't know she was that, quite, that exact. I knew she was in the 40s. I didn't know she was pushing 50. Good for her. Yeah. She looks awesome. <laughs> I'm cutting it close in this 20 minute you telling me I'm amazing uh, deadline. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to throw me a bone. Okay, uh, so uh, we come back to the bar, uh, and Angela, you know, accuses him, says, "Oh, you've got you've got a great imagination." I'll tell you that, and he kind of chuckles. It says, six months from now, a friend is telling me I have no imagination," uh, which again is something that comes back up, uh, comes back up there. Um, and eventually it goes to him saying that, like, he's in love with her. And she's like, whoa, 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 we met, we met 10 <laughs> minutes <flag>. ago. Um, <laughs> when did you fall in love with me? He's like, I was already in love with you. And he sort of re- reminds her that he experiences time differently. Like, he, his perception of time is kind of all at once. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she even says, well, what, at what moment did you fall in love with me then? And he's like, there is no moment. I just was already in love with you. Like, I already knew I had to come here. I'm in love with you. Um, that's a, such a great payoff later on. Mm-hmm. Such I a agree. great payoff. Um, and he reiterates that he wants dinner tomorrow, and he sees them having dinner tomorrow, and she's like, nope, wrong. Um, and then she insists that she actually hates Dr. Manhattan because of everything that happened with Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam led to her parents' death. And he actually kind of, like, you know, not, I don't know if apologize is the right word, but he says, if it makes you feel better, I do regret it. I regret my actions. Yeah, he says he regrets it. Yeah. Um, and then we get our first peek of, well, if you regret it, then if you knew you were going to regret it, then why would you do it? She's just trying to prove that he's not Dr. Manhattan. But then he has his Dr. Manhattan answer. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> well, you've never done anything that you knew you were going to regret. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, I suppose. Yeah, okay, you make a point. <laughs> make a point and it's obviously during this story that uh, she you know he's, he's like oh so it's the anniversary of your parents death like well yeah but you knew that well no you just told me <laughs> this was the moment this was the moment 20 minutes later in the conversation mm-hmm. uh so and i think that's just like a nice little simple example of this at the start to sort of like put your mind in the right frame of mind for the rest of the episode because right. like it's like okay i understand how this is working now things are going to call back and forth and i love what they do with this towards the end um and then she's like, well, if we go on a date, though, like, you're a big glowy blue man. And I know you're, you're, you know, you're, you're repressing the glowing right now and whatnot, but, like, eventually we're going to have to be in public. Well, yeah. 
And he's like, she, I mean, today, the day that he's seen her is the day of like the big VV festival thing. Yeah. So, like, everybody looks like Dr. Manhattan in the bar. <laughs> well, yeah. They all Although, like, notably, some of them don't have his body. Yeah, cheap knockoffs. There's some, uh, some uh, very fat men painted blue, uh, sort of walking around. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, but you're going, you're going to have a solution to this. And that's when we get our next center section that's in a different time period. But this time it's six months ahead of of this meeting. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, two weeks ahead. Sorry, not, not six months yet. Two weeks ahead. Um, where she's in a morgue with them and they're picking out bodies. <laughs> she's like, this is this this dude. And she, she opens like three drawers in the, in the morgue and uh, notably none of them look like Cal. Uh, and... They have a bit of a debate about, and he's like, "I don't really care what I look like, as long as you're comfortable with it. That's all that matters." And she's like, "I don't care either." Well, why have you not picked one of these two then? <laughs> is there another option? And then she opens a fourth drawer, and it is Cal, uh, as we recognize him. And this is when Manhattan turns into Cal, and uh, now we get to see his face. Now, now it doesn't hide his face anymore because it's Cal. I have an odd question. Sure. Do you think she murdered the real cow? <laughs> She's like, nobody knows how he died. Heart attack, maybe? Who knows? You think she went out? There are these three options, but let's just say that they are lesser. Yes. And sure, like, she's super woke. She's like, sure, I don't care. Like, any of these would be fine. But, like, she just had this hidden, beautiful black man in the in the morgue and so when he says who would you be comfortable with i mean she went with cal the beautiful black man Mm -hmm. i don't know like there's there seems to be an implication there that this is i like something she wanted to have in the morgue Look, I don't think that she went out and murdered herself a husband. Okay, <laughs> like I don't think that's what she did. But um, I, I do think there's there's some analyzing to be done here about her hiding this option. Yeah. And then pulling him out, sort of after being prodded. It's almost like it's almost like she like it's almost like she didn't. She was want... embarrassed to admit that she would be more comfortable with. Yeah, maybe. Who yeah, like. like her. Like she, she, yeah, she didn't want to appear like she, had, you know, had to have a black man. But then it was like, no, this is actually the one I want. This is, and obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a preference. That's a preference. But no, I mean, eventually we see him naked and we see why she chose him. I really, are we really going there already? Do we have to go to, to <laughs> that? I mean, I'd just be more comfortable with Cal. <laughs> I, I I was going to happily go through this entire episode and never once mention how extremely huge his penis is, but you <laughs> had to bring it up. So she picks Cal. Uh, it's actually kind of a beautiful moment. Uh, we you know the piano music kind of comes in and it's kind of sensual and he's he's these Manhattan symbols still on his forehead and she's like you missed this and he kind of like goes doop and it kind of fades away. Uh, it's sweet. It's a sweet moment. I love the music in this episode. Oh, I love all the yeah. the opening stuff too, with like the the waltz while he was making the Garden of Eden. Like I really noticed the the song selections of this episode a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, and some of it was source music, obviously, but I I think I have to really commend. Like, there's a lot of music in this that sounds very Trent Reznor, but mm-hmm. there's definitely music in this episode, especially that does not sound Trent Reznor. He's clearly 
no. more versatile than perhaps maybe people give him credit for. I don't know. All right, so we have um, some details that come up here uh, where they're back in the bar and she says, okay, so we get together. All right, fine. How long are we together? And he's like, 10 years, give or take. And it's going to have a tragic ending. It's like, a tra- you're going to elaborate on that or tell me about this tragic ending. Um, and then a song starts playing because she's like, prove it. She's like, well, in 30 seconds time, your favorite song is going to start playing. And I love the performance from Regina King here where she goes, holy mm-hmm. shit. And she's like, she looks genuinely shocked and goes, I've never heard this before. <laughs> It's a pretty smooth move, actually, to be like, this is your favorite song. Well, in the future, because uh-huh. this is the song where you met me. <laughs> and that's basically, I mean, he doesn't say it and spell it out like that, but he says, well, it is now. It's going to be your favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the song, for the record, is Tunnel of Love, which is relevant later. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main lyrics. Um and then we get a very extended time period kind of portion as he's telling some of the story because he explains that he's going to have to, like, in six months' time, she's going to tell him to leave. And then she keeps prodding. He's like, well, we're having sex. He's like, well, it doesn't sound like I'm telling you to leave. He's like, no, you do. And then we cut to this time where she's asking him, while having sex, where are you right now? And this is something that actually harkens back to the comic book. This is a moment that was in the comic book a lot with... Uh, with Laurie, mm-hmm. where she got really mad at him for kind of being other places and other times uh, whilst they were being intimate. And he says, oh, I'm in the bar talking to you right before I <laughs> right before I make an egg. <laughs> and I just, I started laughing. I'm like, okay, eggs have been a thing this season. We've been talking about eggs a lot. Yeah. More eggs are coming up. Very good. Right. Uh, little tease for later. Um, and... One of the things I like is she gets kind of like, uh, she's taken out at the moment, so she stops, you know, having sex, and she's sort of like, okay, we're not going to fight, right? You keep telling me that we're about to fight in this, you know, this part of time. We're not going to do it because I'm making the choice not to fight. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, they're going to fight. Like, <laughs> this is going to prove them right. I mean, they're sort of already fighting. Yes. She has to make the choice, the effort not to be mad at him. She's yes. mad at him. It's oh. the I'm fine <laughs> conversation. Yes. Um, and for the record, I did get that too. Thank you very much. I'm not oblivious. Um, but yeah. she's try- she's trying very hard not to fight. And ultimately, her- his insistence that they're going to fight le- leads to them fighting. <laughs> it leads to them being upset. And she's like, well, I'm risking stuff every day being with you, right? What are you risking? I mean, when was the last time you felt fear? And he describes the creation of Dr. Manhattan. He describes going into the the, the, the vault and the, the watch being there and realizing that he's about, the machine's about to turn on and that he's about to have his atoms ripped apart, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, well, what to do? You, you came back together again, no? That was 50 years ago. And he says, I'm being torn apart right now. I love mm-hmm. that line. I am being torn apart. Like, he feels it all the time because he's always experiencing it at the same time. Yeah. Do you think he's always experiencing like the other parts, like the pleasurable moments <laughs> all the time? They just kind of like cancel each other out. That's why he's always neutral. Are, are you asking me if he's constantly orgasming? Technically, <laughs> he's like uh, he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm calming at home. I'm calming at work. I'm calming. I'm always calming. <laughs> have you not seen that pumping not- iron? I've seen the clip. 
watching the clip. That's my favorite Arnold movie. <laughs> if he's always feeling the pain, then he's always feeling the pleasure in life, I, too. I, I thought you were going to ask a more interesting question, like, is he always also having sex with Laurie while he's having sex with Angela? Ooh. Yeah, imagine if she said, where are you right now? He's like, oh, I'm inside my ex-lover. <laughs> <laughs> Was that good enough to get a You're Amazing, Peter? Oh, they would fight. <laughs> oh, they would fight, yeah. If he, if he said that, they would fight. Um, like Manhattan... Uh, <laughs> what was that? She would say leave instantly. Yes, instantly. We wouldn't even have to have a fight first. It would just be instantly leave. It'd be, get out! To quote Arnold get again. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get out of me! Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> so she she eventually is like okay do you need me to say it and he's like yeah she have to kind of fulfill the the moment essentially and she's like leave so he does he, he just boops out of out of there but i love his reaction his reaction of like genuine like surprise there's a, there's a lot of good performances in this episode but mainly from the, the two of these actors obviously and i think what's great about the actor playing cal is that Obviously, they, they, they hired him knowing what he was going to be doing for the whole show, right? So they knew they had to get a great actor. But what's mm-hmm. interesting from our perspective is that for six, seven episodes, he was not much more than just this main or side character who didn't really get to show that he was a good actor. I mean, he was fine. It wasn't like he was sticking out as a sore thumb or anything like that. But we never got to mm-hmm. see him be a good actor because he just had these small scenes here or there. That, you know? Sure. But we know he's capable. He was the guy in Striking Vipers. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, we know, but I mean, in terms of the show, the context of the show, like yeah. for for six, seven episodes, they were hiding the fact that this guy is such a good actor because, like, we don't want you to know like how important he is, like later kind of thing, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, if it was Anthony Hopkins playing the role, you would be like, okay, you have Anthony Hopkins, like. I know well, you're going to use them. Well, this would be a weird <laughs> dynamic if, if Regina King was married to 85-year-old Anthony Hopkins. Hey, she said she doesn't care what he looks like. <laughs> she cares if he's 85. <laughs> and she's like almost 50. Not 10 years ago she wasn't. <laughs> 38, Regina King, shacking up with 75-year-old Anthony Hopkins. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that if there's... If we know the actor is good, we're just waiting for his big moment. <laughs> but you're right. He is a relatively, I guess, unknown. Unless you're a fan of Black Mirror. Yes. Yes. Um, he was great in that. He was good in that. I it like was that such episode. a complicated relationship. Much like this. Okay. Uh, so we cut to the Arctic. This is a long review, damn it. We cut to the Arctic. It was, uh, it was always good to be a long yeah, review. And he's walking through the snow but ass naked, which because for the reference, he does leave the scene with Angela naked. He was because yeah, we're in bed having sex, so he, he he's in the Arctic and he's walking through the snow naked. He's going to see his old colleague, like he's used to seeing him naked. Sure, uh, he'll see uh, Vite, who's at this time in the Arctic. He's in his secret base, and uh, it was great seeing this set. Actually, the fact that they went to the effort of like having all this was mm-hmm. great. And, I love the retro future look. Yeah, and he's sitting there kind of like complaining that humans are still messing with, you know, nuclear power plants and building bombs and whatnot. Um, and he's like, ah, it's uh, you, John. Uh, welcome back. And he's like... I guess 2009, that would be Fukushima, right? Oh, no. No, that was 2011, is it not? That was 2010. Okay, <laughs> in between. Because he's talking about a meltdown happening. Yes. 
I don't know. I was trying to relate it to current events, but sure. Well, that, Fukushima was a year later. Doesn't need to. I mean, it's a different timeline at this point. It is. It is yeah, so, so yeah. It doesn't really matter that much. Um, Maybe it's Chernobyl, but like later. <laughs> Maybe it happened later in the Watchmen universe. Or it's Chernobyl Two Electric Boogaloo. Ooh. Hey, that means this world gets a second Chernobyl miniseries. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a little bit jealous, almost. I hope it's the guy who makes American Horror Story or American Hero Story. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like Horror Story. Ryan Murphy. Why do you want Ryan Murphy making it? Um, so and yes, this is the scene in question where we see the schlong. So to move swiftly on, we have Vate being asked a favor of Manhattan, and there's a little bit of like, you know he he's aware that he's also experiencing the past. They reference. Vate try to destroy him 30 years ago or 20 years ago whatever it was at this point um 20 20 something yeah 30 yeah 20 something yeah 24 actually i wrote it down some of my notes 24 years ago yeah it was 1985 um and you know he kind of oh sorry about that he kind of nonchalantly for trying to destroy him um what I thought was really noble here is that so so he kind of like prods at him and he's like oh this is interesting that you look human like why would you look human? Um, uh, it makes a dig a bit about the appropriation of being a black man. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know kind of feels a little hollow coming from Vite for whatever reason, but um, it feels like, it feels like he's just, he's just trying to provoke him rather than he actually cares about what he's saying. But um, he uh, he's kind of like okay why would you look like this oh. It's a woman, isn't it? You're in love. He's like, yes, and you look. It's my weakness. And you look like this, because I mean, there's something to say there, right? That that this being of Manhattan, who looks at the world the way he does, still feels love and still is, mm-hmm. still needs that in his life in some way. Well, I mean, like you said, he he's always he always feels the pain from being mm-hmm. from that one night or that he was, you know, killed. Uh, he still feels all that. He still he's still that child. He's still experiencing like his humanity, even as a god. Yeah, and he incorrectly, he incorrectly guesses that uh, Angela. Not doesn't know who she is, obviously, but he incorrectly guesses that Angela doesn't know that he's Manhattan. He's like, no, I told her the night we met. Like she does know. He's like, ah, but you're not really human, and you want to be human so that you can be with her. And this is where it turns out that device that she pulled out of his head that we mm-hmm. again, else I'm doing the cyclops. Like, I'm not. I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing the the circle. <laughs> On Manhattan's head. Um, yes, there you go. That's a good way to do it. Just, I'll just draw it. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so it comes from Vite, um, who it turns out built this thing 30 years ago. This was like a, this was actually plan A for amnesia, as he, as he, as he puts it, um, where this would take away his memory so that he wouldn't know that he's Manhattan. And he ended up going with plan B for whatever reason. Um, it sounds like that only now because he's taken human form he has a brain that can be manipulated um whereas before maybe he didn't have that because he makes a point of asking that, that since he looks human yeah do you now have the brain and the the blood and the vessels and all the rest of it do you still have all this all the the physiology of it and he's like yeah i do why and he's like okay so we put this in and he says something here which didn't actually come up in the way i thought it was going to come up but it did come up later in the episode when Vite says oh you wouldn't remember that you're manhattan except maybe in times in near-death situations where instinct would maybe kick in um yeah that's actually used to explain something that's already happened i i thought it was going to be something that we see at some point later in the episode but um, we might still yeah, we may like, still, I, yeah i don't know there seems to be an implication here that maybe um like 
he says he can transfer his powers like through something consumable. And who knows? Maybe he fed, maybe Angela has some powers that he gave her because he said he would never do it without consent. But if she consents in the future, then he has her consent. <laughs> oh, yeah. We haven't actually gotten to that, uh, that conversation yet. But yeah. Right. That's possible. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so he, basically, and this is where obviously Veidt says he has no imagination and he kind of chuckles because this is when he kind of thinks it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I like Veidt's reaction too. Like, you laugh? <laughs> <laughs> she must be something. <laughs> but he says that before he's put, he puts it out, if there's anything you want to do with your memory, go and do it now. And he says, oh, I have to go speak to Angela's grandfather. And obviously, I think we our ears all perk up. We're like, oh, oh, this is interesting. Let's mm-hmm. go speak to Will uh, <laughs> 10 years you know, prior. Um, and then it gets to the point where Veidt wants something in return, and we we've been speculating probably because of the game warden, as we've been you know the the, the sort of the captive nature of Veidt's sort of uh, imprisonment, mm-hmm. as it were, uh, even the imprisonment itself using that word. We've assumed that he was imprisoned, that Manhattan put him there to keep him there, but this scene says that no, Veidt actually wanted to because he says, "Am I going to live to see the utopia that I tried to that I'm trying to create? You know, is this world going to become what I want it to be?" And he says, "No, but there is one elsewhere. I built one on Uto- uh, on Europa. I almost said on Utopia. There, so actually very similar words. Europa, Utopia. So, doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, so he's he's like, "Hey, can maybe you- not coincidence. Yeah, can I can I send? Do you want me to send you there? And he's like, "Yes, please. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see." you know this utopia because he and this is a, what i thought was interesting is that manhattan says that you know like the the people he that there he created who he created to just care for others rather than themselves that mm-hmm. their love was was never ending it was infinite and that's why it was boring that's why it was unfulfilling and that's why he came to earth to, to find angela because that love love with a time limit is actually more meaningful the, the idea that yeah. a person can waver or it will end tra- in tragedy someday um, which and you is, have to earn it. Yeah, and you have to it's earn not it. Just something that people give. It's in the love that we actually create and have with each other that actually means something. And even to Manhattan, someone who's supposedly a god, although, and I get why people call him a god. I get why people say he's a godlike figure. Um, I do prefer that over just calling him a god, um, because there's clearly still humanity despite everything. Well, he has limitations. Where I imagine whatever God is, um, doesn't. Or isn't, as the case may be. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm also an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of God. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, so, but no, I just I thought that was so fascinating. There's a couple of lines. The other one, of course, him saying that he's, he's exploding right now. But this one, but this one here where he says that the love was unfulfilling, or however he phrases it, um, really, really kind of spoke to me as a character beat. And... Mm-hmm this idea that that's actually kind of what we've been seeing from Veidt and all these flash flashes to his time in that in this Europa you know bubble is that that's why he's ultimately wanting to leave is because it's unfulfilling it's like and we get obviously more at the end and there's a post credit scene if, I, if anyone didn't know there's a post credit scene in this episode that you may want to go check out if you if you, you know, turned it off when the credits hit which is entirely possible mm-hmm. um so yeah so Infinite Love's Unsatisfying um, and then it cuts to him giving the device to Angela and she's like I just push it in your head that kind of thing and she suggests uh, moving to Tulsa uh, because that's where her family's from and he's like oh that's a great idea and he smiles at her and she's like but it was your idea he's like no it was yours um, 
So again, this is kind of the looping back again because you know we're going to later see that he actually says that she's going to have this idea. So therefore, she's always going to have the idea. And this is this looping. I I like to call this paradox not the chicken and the egg. I like to call this the uh, the Johnny B. Good paradox. <laughs> if you've seen Back to the Future, you'll know why. I really, I really love the white the fight stuff. Before we get off sure. from there, I, I like this. Um, this continuation of his character because you know I did was kind of wondering about this where the end of the Watchmen he he does it in order to create a future that will be better for humanity but he does live in this future and humanity is not better off he hasn't really done very much like yeah he saved nuclear war but we didn't go into a utopia that he was yeah you know his ultimate plan and was notably we forgot to and, mention he's at, we see him actually like sending the little squid like he's got you know he's got this machine yeah he's still keeping the squids going he's yeah. the one who's doing it although i don't know, know who's doing it while he's on europa it's not a timer maybe he's got a clone there or something uh, who knows it's not a timer uh, <laughs> or a timer yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> or just manhattan wills it <laughs> who knows um but it's it, it was a really satisfying, like, I don't want to say conclusion because his story is still going, but like, I, I was curious about that. And, you know, this episode addresses it and tells us why he chose to go to Europa because he, he still wants to be praised. He still wants to be the new Alexander the Great. He wants to have accolades and oh, be known he, for the great things that he does. Yeah, and he even there's says. There's this really great picture of him behind him while he's do, like talking about it this picture of him as Ozymandias in his outfit and there's all these angels but they're the angels that are like babies that look that are all on the ground and like worshipping him from below and it's such a cool little like foreshadowing of his life to come <laughs> and he's even uh he even says as much actually when he's because he says that he saved the world from destruction and no one knows he mm-hmm. wants the recognition he wants <laughs> he, he wants to be revered for it he um, knows, I mean, but he knows when he did it that he couldn't have that, but he can't help but want it. Like, oh, of course, yeah. He, his he obviously life feels so meaning, like, and he doesn't have the he, utopia that he wanted, also. So, what is he getting out of it? He, he obviously made the choice that he was okay with that when he did it, but time going past has made him more and more bitter about the fact that no one knows and no one, you know, cares that it was him. He wants, he wants to be a god. He's got more of a god complex than Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean that, that's that's the thing though. Like, if, if Manhattan's Watchmen's version of Superman, uh, Ozymandias is very much the Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously they're not quite as opposed to each other as those characters are, but there's definitely a lot of parallels. I mean, he is the man who outsmarted him. Yeah, yeah, and he, he wants to constantly think he's better. He's, he's very cynical towards him. There's there's parallels to be had there. Um, and then we come back to the bar. Before we finish the push into the head scene, um, well, I do want to actually. I want to mention one moment from the cinematography. I love. There's a moment where Angela asks him, you know, if you lose your memory, will you still be you? And I loved it when he's answering this. It cuts to a shot of the shadows on the wall. Um, it's really pretty. Mm. So it's really nice. Um, so, and this is when like you can create life, and so do it. And he like makes an egg, and she's like, a chicken would be more impressive. Here's a question, actually. If Manhattan just makes an egg in his hand, 
as a vegan, are you okay having a go at that egg? <laughs> okay, there's a common misconception about veganism. <laughs> oh, God. It's not that what have I done? Uh, what have I done? I've made, I've, I've, I've made well, a mistake. I was clarifying because a lot of people ask me this kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> like is breast milk vegan if it comes from an animal? And the answer is not whether or not it comes from an animal. It's whether or not there's any cruelty involved. Well, what was why I'm asking the question? Are you okay yeah. eating this so egg? If an egg, a chicken egg is produced and there was no cruelty involved in it, then yes. I mean, I Much wouldn't. Much like lab-grown meat, it would be vegan. So anyway, it's from this egg that we get to the conversation about having kids. She says, how many kids do we have? He says, three. And she's very insistent. She doesn't want kids. She never has wanted kids. And he, he says they're adopted. Uh, he's like, well, how long until, you know, we, we adopt these kids in Tulsa? And he says, I don't know. There's a blank spot. Although before we get to that, actually, he also mentions that um, he would never pass on his abilities without consent, uh, which you brought up earlier. And mm-hmm. he's, she's like, you can do that? And he's like, well, yeah, theoretically. And he actually describes it in a pretty weird way. He basically says that he could make him, he could make him a Manhattan burger and if the person mm-hmm. ate the Manhattan burger, they'd get his powers, which is a really weird way to phrase it. I mean, it doesn't seem... I mean, I, a little I, I, bit. But I, I think it's implying that it's some kind of consumable. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, he doesn't say burger. I, I'm, I'm joking, burger. But, like, he, he basically <laughs> says he'll make an edible, like, mass. Yeah. And the person could consume it. And, and notably, he tries to make waffles later. He does try to make waffles. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he does destroys it with- eggs. Uh, but I assume the thing he would make would just be out of nowhere, not like using actual like get get me the flour and the the, the eggs. <laughs> Maybe he's already made it. Who knows? I'm saying. I mean, if Angela gives him consent in the future to do it in the past, he can do it. That's true. Yes, that's logic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but yeah, that's the interesting part is that, and this makes sense. This makes complete sense to me. Uh, I was already kind of expecting this, but it was nice to get this this little confirmation here that he's like, I don't know when we get the kids because there's a 10 year gap. There's a 10 year blank spot where I can't mm-hmm. see anything. And it's because for the duration of time that he has that device in his head, not knowing that he's Manhattan, he is not experiencing any of that. It's not right. in his like, um, blanket of experiences at least not from this side of it um i guess there's an implication after the fact that he maybe can remember it in the past tense now um mm. because he recalls the christmas incident he kind of like remembers some of that um, yeah i think well but also that is the day that he had a slight true clip, yeah right like he, yeah. he sort of came back for a sec yeah maybe he only remembers that because he did kind of come out of the uh the trance if you want to call it that for for like a you know a minute mm-hmm. and that's why he As can a recall that reactionary thing for survival yeah yeah to save angela you know he sort of became manhattan again for a second so it uh so and it's interesting that this episode does answer a lot of little things it answers that moment it answers the squids it answers a bunch of little things that have been peppered throughout the show um but you know and then she's like oh that sounds like a, and angela's like oh that sounds like a tunnel a tunnel of love and she's really sarcastic when she says it as well <laughs> uh but she's got such a smirk in her face um so so that's really cool and as it goes back to the, the 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 six months later when he's got the the ring and she's putting in his forehead and it kind of swoops in and again music's really beautiful here and uh, really really good um but the other thing i noticed here is um that 
this tragedy that's going to happen, we know we're building up to it in present day. And I also love this idea because he says to her right before she puts it in that, like, because she says, I'll just leave it in forever then. And he's like, I'll leave it in your hands. But he knows that there's a portion of, like, he knows that after this gap, he's back again. Mm -hmm. So she's always going to take it out. It's always going to come out and he's going to become Manhattan again. And he's already told her that it's 10 years. Yeah. That the the tunnel is, is 10 years i think it's a very interesting thing to recontextualize the show like if we go back and watch it now does her agitation like read a little bit better now as fear because she knows time is mm-hmm. running out like she knows that that timer she's going to lose her husband as he is and he He's might told die her that it ends tragically yeah and they're only together for 10 years which notably though tragedy does leave room open for interpretation because it doesn't oh, necessarily yeah. mean death it could mean a number of things um yes. so it's left it open for, for what we're doing and it's notable though that after she puts it in that is when we come to uh present day we come to her holding it in present day and she's like you know shit we're you know we're screwed now and we see the blue light and he's floating in the air and he still looks like cal he's blue basically like, and mm-hmm. it's notable that she actually and i like this she points out that she she, she makes a point of saying hey you still look like cal because that clearly tells us that he did not look like Cal before. Like, you know, before right. he took his body. This is a change that he still kind of looks like him in some way, even though he's blue. So, yeah, so he's floating, he's confused, he's remembering the Christmas thing. Uh, he's not quite all there yet because, as he says, he's, he's having confusion because of this. And he disappears. And I love that every time he disappears or makes someone else disappear, Angela says the same thing every time. She goes, mother effer, like every yeah. time. <laughs> and every time it got funnier. I uh, love her frustration. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, who wouldn't be frustrated, though, being in a relationship with somebody who already knows the future or is living in the past? And <laughs> Yes, yes. Which, by the way, you're going to apologize to me at the end of this review. <laughs> Excuse me? I already experienced it. You're going to apologize for not telling me I'm amazing and everything else I said at the start. I can't remember what else I said you were going to say about me, but there was more. Accept this challenge. <laughs> you need to. Um, so, yes. So, he, he run, she runs upstairs because she hears the kids screaming and they're looking outside and he's walking on the, the pool. He's walking on the water and the, the boy's like, hey, he looks like Cal. And she's and she's honest because because it is yeah. it is Cal and she runs outside after the kids get beamed away because he waves at them <laughs> and then snaps his fingers essentially and beams them away and she's like mother effer and she runs out and he's like where are our kids where are our kids and he explains that he sent them to Will her grandfather and that he was expecting them at the theater so this was always going to happen um, and he also says did you think for a sec that he sent them to the other grandfather the one that we saw in the first episode. Oh, I'd forgotten about him. No, because he says, uh... I guess I was expecting him to come back in some way. Yeah, I, he probably still will at some point, but I'm, I'm thinking will, though, A, because it's a theatre, because I imagine it's probably, the, you know, the, the renovated theatre that he came, you know, his mother was involved in mm-hmm. as a kid. And also, he says he's ex- he was expecting them, which makes me think it's Will, because he's got an alliance with Will. Um, right, yeah. So I don't know. My mind went there right away for some reason. But for, for the record, though, he never actually... I mean, I think from this, he then says he's got an alliance with him because it, cause she, she asks, like, how do you know my grandfather? So I think I think it is kind of clear that he's talking about Will after the next couple yeah. of lines. Oh, um, yeah, it definitely is. 
Uh, one important thing, though, he says is important, is he says you have to see me on the pool. That's important for later. So we'll find out next episode why that's important. I guess. I mean, it was brought up also earlier in Vietnam where she was impressed that he could walk on water, but like sarcastically so. Well, it's a callback to that, but I don't think that's why it's important. I, I think well, it's, he definitely says you'll have to know for later. Yeah. It's um, important for later. So I, I think there's going to be a moment where she has to know he was here at this time or something like that, or, you know, exactly where he was or something like this is going to be relevant somehow next episode. Um, so I know only one episode left. I know it's so weird, right? But that, this episode did answer a lot. This episode gave us a it lot. Did. Yeah. Um, so we have um, the, our final kind of time jump, not including going back to the bar, where from present day we see because she asks, like, "How do you know Will?" And he says, "Okay, so you know, ten years ago, or yeah, you know, just before they he got the ring in his head, he went to Will, who was living at Captain Metropolis's house that, he'd, that Metropolis had left him in his will, uh, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes in, he, Will doesn't let him in at first, and he just goes through the door because he's Manhattan, and <laughs> he gives a look first. Yeah, just make sure no one's watching. First lie, <laughs> and he's like, hey, I want to have an alliance with you.' <laughs> it's a really, it's a really bizarre thing because Will's just an old man, not really giving a shit." Uh, he's like, yeah. why do you want an alliance with me? He's like, because you're Hoodie Justice. He's like, yeah. and I love how grumpy Will is. He's such a grumpy man. Um, uh, so he's over it. So, and then, you know, this is where it gets kind of sad, actually, because the piano starts playing again, the music. And he says that he's in love with her. And when Will's asking, like, why does she want me in her life? And you know, she does. And I'm like, yeah, how do we, as far as we know, she doesn't. Like, everything we've seen, mm-hmm. she doesn't. And then he says something kind of touching. He says, uh, you know, she 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 insists. She always says she doesn't want a family, and yet all of her actions insist that she does. That's all she wants. You know, she's kind of in denial about what she actually wants in life. She's scared of having one, and he even brings it up in the scene. You know, uh, where she has to say leave because he brings yeah. up, oh, you know, I make you feel safe because you're scared of having a family because of what happened to your parents. You've always had this insecurity, kind of thing. Um, and I love this scene because it really started to play with the Manhattan experience time and what it could do in storytelling because, you know, Angela says, uh, you know, you're talking to him right now, 10 years ago, and he's like, yes. And he even says to Will in 10 years ago, I'm talking to Angela right now in the future in 10 years' time in 2019. And Angela says to Manhattan in present day, can you ask Will why he or how he knew that Judd was a member of Cyclops and why he had a clan robe in his closet. So then it goes to, you know, 2009 with Will and Manhattan says, she's asking why or how you knew Judd was part of the Cyclops and how he had a clan outfit in his closet. And his response was beautiful. Will simply (laughs) says, who's Judd? (laughs) (laughs) And then it comes back and Manhattan says, he doesn't know who Judd is or why he has a clan or whatever he says. And it's basically an Angela well, herself. he says, but he does now. But he does now. And Angela herself realizes that she just put the idea and all the information in Will's head to come to Tulsa and do all this in the first place. And this is where he brings up the chicken and the egg and how, you know, like, she's like, no, 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 I didn't want you to cause this. Like, oh my God, did I start all this? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of beautiful. And I love that she's aware enough that she gets it as soon as like that line comes back to her. And I love the going back and forth between the two scenes 
it's it's kind of there's a sweetness to it that I, I really like. Yeah, and it's a bit of it's it's a bit of time travel, which we don't really see all that often. Like we get time jumps, and we know that it, things are being experienced simultaneously yeah. through him, but we never really get an example of time travel. It's until this that's the thing. But it makes sense. Technically, it isn't time travel, but information is traveling through time. Information mm-hmm. is going back. Um, but from Manhattan's perspective, it's just happening at the same time. So it's this weird thing where technically there's no time travel happening. It's just because of the way Manhattan experiences things that he's able to pass information through the time continuum or whatever you want to call yeah. it. It's kind of... It's unique. It's a unique form of time travel is what I'm saying. It's very different yeah. from every other type of time travel we've ever seen. And we've been watching a lot of time travel movies on the Atomic Cinema Experiment. And we are experts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> on a sci-fi movie podcast that we do called The Ace. You can go find it. It's, it's, it's you know, it's good, I think. Um, I think so. Um, so, no, I love this. I love this, this conversation through two time periods with two characters, or three characters, I guess, really, I should say. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Um, really, really good. And he disappears again. Uh, once again, this is the third and final time when she said "mother effer." And I just, I just, I was losing it because at this, because at this point it was almost like a cartoon where she had to chase after him again to try and mm-hmm. find him. But he's in the kitchen trying to make waffles because he's hungry. Um, yeah, he says, "What came first, the chicken or the egg?" I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she smashes his eggs. Because he's, he's, he's having them float out of the fridge. <laughs> she just smashes, like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> Answers, damn it. And she's like, hey, this is dangerous. The cavalry are coming to get you. They believe they can kill you and take your power. We have to go. And he's like, they're already here. There's a truck outside. And she checks outside and, like, sure enough, there's like two trucks now. There's like, you know, they've, they've got a big beam. They're going to, you know, they've got this big antimatter tachyon beam thing they're going to use to capture him. Uh, they've been putting some effort into this. And. She's like, well, screw this, and he's like, no, this is this is always going to happen. They're going to capture me. This is this was always going to happen. And there's nothing we can do to change it. And she's like, the hell, the hell we can't. And she puts on like her vest, and she gets goes in her safe, and she's got all her guns, and she's starting to like sit up, and he just kind of stares at her. And this it may be my favorite moment of the episode, where he just says, "This is the moment." And she's like, "What are you talking mm-hmm. about? This is the moment I fell in love with you, because I just told you that nothing you can do to save me." And you're going to try anyway. And this is the moment I fell in love with you. And she's like, well, that's supposed to be romantic. You, we've already been together for 10 years. Like, well, no, I no, I, I always loved you because this, for me, this already happened. That was simultaneously. But like, I love this idea. It was kind of beautiful. And it's fine. I think by the end of the book, Watchmen, I, I, I never really liked Manhattan. Like, I don't think you're supposed to. I think by the end of the book, he's kind of he such... He becomes something beyond human and beyond empathy you know yes and i almost feel like this this show has kind of like brought him back to humanity in a, in a way where mm-hmm. i empathize with him and i actually care about him and i care that angela cares about him and this show mm-hmm. this episode even made that all work this episode brought it all together in a neat, a neat bow in a way that i think is really impressive um yeah no i'm i agree <laughs> yeah it was beautiful you know she goes out guns blazing my note here for this part is just uh angela wick because she's oh my god she's such a badass she's she's ducking and diving i I know some people people. are probably going to be asking like but but why why angela but like who wouldn't be in love with her she's awesome (laughs) (laughs) she's truly exceptional yeah i mean she's going around she's uh 
she she's shoots several of them. She's trying to get into a truck and she tries to ram the beam, but like mm-hmm. it stop doesn't quite get there. Then they sort of like you know they have this, this like grapple gun thing that pulls off the door and she's caught. You know this this guy this this Rorschach uh, mask wearing Seventh Cavalry member has got her dead to rights, and then his head just explodes. And Manhattan, Manhattan saved her, <laughs> and then the music really ramps up. The music, music here is beautiful because the music the, the whole time during this fight, by the way, the music that's playing is not of tense action; it's of emotion. It's an emotional mm-hmm. rush of music that's playing through all this stuff. And because really, we also know that this is probably now that he's there. She told yeah. him to stay inside, but he had to come out to save her. So we think, oh, Manhattan's right. <laughs> yeah, and he starts popping, but it's a great sequence of him just popping heads left and right, and you feel yeah. so powerful. You feel like he's so powerful, and it's like, yeah, they don't stand a chance, even though you know this is what's going to lead to his capture. You know it's leading there, but yeah. you could cop in the moment, and she smiles and says, "Well, we won. You were wrong, and sorry. No, I was right." And then the, you know, one last member hits the beam, and it takes him. Um, and that's kind of looks painful. It looks painful. Uh, he's taken, and um, so you know what I was saying that earlier is I just I love the idea that like so, some way he is proven wrong, even if it's not necessarily the say the idea that so they managed to change something that he says is going to happen, but that he's misinterpreted it, and the way it happens is actually better or <laughs> like. I don't know, something to give him faith, or, or not faith, but, like, like hope, I guess. Does he say that they're going to kill me, or does he say that they're going to try to kill me? Do you know? Yeah, I mean, okay. Do you think that the 7th Cavalry will kill Dr. Manhattan next week? Well, they're definitely going to try to. Are they going to succeed? Do you think they will? Ah, no. I think it's 50-50. It depends what the, the plot's do. <laughs> it would be risky. I mean, risky for the show to do. Oh sure, yeah. Um, but I mean, I I almost feel cool like also I don't know. <laughs> I almost feel though like Doctor Manhattan, by his nature, kind of has to die. Like, in order for it to be truly peace again, in some you know in some form, like the idea of the Superman existing, like he he has to kind of like take himself out of the picture, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, it's basically it's the entity too. It's like you know. There's one more chip. <laughs> it's this idea that they're always going to be tempted to try and take the power that he has because it's too tempting. Um, it, it kind of goes back to what uh, Veidt said to him earlier on where he's complaining about it, and yet they still make their bombs. That's essentially what 7th mm-hmm. Cavalry are trying to do. They're trying to make a new Manhattan that they, they, they have under their control. It's theirs. Well, they're trying to take the Manhattan that exists and give it to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, somebody that, who has their agenda. I mean, it, it, I mean, yeah, sure, that's exactly what they're doing. But it's semantics. The the point is that, they, like, because it exists, they know they want it, and they're always going to try and get it. So, I I can see an ending to this where Manhattan either willingly or accepts that for the world to move on, he has to go. He has to not mm-hmm. exist. Um, and there's some beauty in that. Now, obviously. He doesn't really say much about uh, Lady True or the clock or anything like that. That's not really brought up this episode. Um, Angela mentions Lady True at one point that she knows things, but other than that, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's never really mentioned. So uh, I'm sure we'll and get also, to... And also, Vite kind of mentions it because Vite from 2009 says that... Um, or says that he, he knows he's been on Europa and... Manhattan says, "How did you know that?" Ah, uh, yeah, this line. A little elephant told me. 
Yes, a little elf told me. Uh, I forgot. I actually did have that noted down, and we were too busy debating something stupid. I think <laughs> I lost track. But um, yes, that that line did stick out to me because there's only one place we've seen an elephant <laughs> this season, yeah. uh, and it was under Lady True's roof. So we'll see. We have to assume in some capacity that she is working with him, given the statue and given everything else. Um, obviously, we've got one more seat to talk about with Vite. Also, but, but how does how does Lady True know? Satellites. We saw a satellite orbit in Europa before. Yeah, okay. And that, that's what Vite was trying there to like... There. Yeah, that's what Vite was trying to like get his message to. So, it makes I thought maybe sense. she, again, like just somehow knows the future. But, um, who knows? Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just satellite. Because we did see one. Although we don't technically know whose satellite that was. We just assume it's true. Well, it's the, it's the only likely option at this point. But there's no, no one else it could be. Maybe uh, Dan? <laughs> was it owl-shaped at all? <laughs> I don't Maybe believe. it's Lube Man? <laughs> oh, you think Lube Man's got a satellite budget? <laughs> He's a mystery. I don't know. L- Lube Man's sending satellites, isn't he? Into space. Oh, I was grabbing the cap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to go off mic for a second. Firefly was causing trouble. Um, so we cut back to the bar one final time. Um, you know, um, and I think it was actually earlier here, actually, uh, we didn't mention the line where she says, I can't get involved with someone who, that I know it's going to end in tragedy. And he says, well, aren't relationships by definition always going to end in tragedy? Because, I mean, that's true. Either you break up with someone or one of you dies, or both of you die, <laughs> or, like... Yeah. These are the options, basically. Um, and she's like, okay, fair point. Uh, that was earlier on, but I thought, I don't want to not mention it. Um, but, yeah, but this is where she finally asks, you know, his name, you know, other than Manhattan. He's like, I'm John, with no H. <laughs> um, oh, no, it was the scene that tragedy thing happened. Never mind, I'm talking nonsense. It was in exactly the place that I put it. I'm a genius. Uh, and this is part where I'm supposed to say you're a genius. Uh, I mean, you can't. I mean, no, no, we've passed that point now. You just have to apologize at the end for not saying it earlier. Um, <laughs> for my prediction to be right. Um, but, you know, yes. So do you want to go out for dinner tomorrow? And she's like, eff it, why not? <laughs> cut, to, cut to credits. Um, I love it, yeah. I love that, her line. Has that funny beat. Um <laughs> And he's kind of won her over over the course of this story. She's at least curious enough to go on a date and see it, hear some more. Um, but there is a post-credit scene. There is mm-hmm. Vite, who's in his cell. Although, actually, at first he's getting tomatoes smushed in his face by all the uh, Crookshanks and Phillips. Yeah. Uh, They're asking him if he's going to leave. And he keeps or saying, no, they say, will you stay? And he keeps saying no, yeah. And he's in his, in his chambers, in his cell, and the game warden comes in. And I actually kind of guessed... Uh, before he said it, but he actually says it in the scene that he was the first. He was the f- uh, the two that was the, the Adam and Eve, if you will, of this mm-hmm. bubble. Uh, he was the first Phillips. Although we don't know where Eve is. Yeah, the Crookshanks. Where's she? Is she mm-hmm. dead, or is is she also someone prominent? Is she someone that's uh, you know, going to? Or is she gone, and that's why he's kind of a asshole? Well, we know why he's an asshole. He's he's an asshole because his god abandoned him. Sure. Yeah. Um. So. 
so yeah well, so hopefully we'll maybe see the the, the original Crookshanks as it were not not the human one that it was based on but the, the original birth one from Europa yes Eve uh, yes Eve um, but he's in the cell and the, uh, the game warden comes in with the cake and it made me think oh how many of these cakes have we had at this point because we know he gets sent in there 10 years ago like I don't think we're at 10 but we're not a million it didn't look like 10 candles I feel like maybe like six or seven. Yes, yeah, it sounds a bit right though. But I mean, we've seen at least seven or six, or six or seven birthdays at this point, though, right? Of him mm-hmm. being here, because the because the, the first one he, he was quite happy. He was you know he was eating the tomato. He, he seemed like he was happy in his surroundings. And then we had a cake every episode for a while. There was one he was eating a cake when he was getting the two new ones out of the the, the pool or out of the lake, mm-hmm. which was like just over the halfway point, I think. And then. Last week there wasn't one, but there was like six in a row with a cake in his sections, and then this is maybe the sixth or seventh cake in total. So there's been mm-hmm. six or seven years of this decade, presumably. So it's just a question: Does he not get back until present day, or does he get back a little bit early? Is he back, you know, a year or two before the main part of the show? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Or does it take a year for him to get back? Who knows? That's true. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean the trip I don't imagine is quick. If if Manhattan's not just going like that and making you teleport, yeah. but uh, you know, is he already in contact with Lady True? Is that why she knows certain things? Is that mm. why she knows who? Because I mean, Lady True True knows who Manhattan is. She clearly implied that last episode. Oh yeah, in- definitely. Invite well, ha- she knows because Will knows because Will saw him. Oh, that's true, yeah, Will knows as well. But I was also going to say that Vite could have also told her. Because Vite knows who, who he is, too. But you're right, Will well, also Well, no, because they have that conversation saying, did, when uh, Lady True says you're right, to you're right. Angela yeah. that he's, Dr. Manhattan's on Earth, and he's, somebody, he's disguising himself as a human. And she said, did my grandfather put that idea? Or did you put that idea in my grandfather's head? She said, no, actually, he put it in mine. No, you're right, you're right. So, yeah. yeah. Um... I don't know. Uh, all interest and all the same. Um, but ultimately, the warden's asking why he's so unhappy. And Veit talks about how everyone is waiting for his return. All of his babies, all of his little pigs or whatever he says, are all waiting for his return. And then he says the line that I really, that I really liked. Heaven is not enough because heaven doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. he needs to be needed he needs to feel like he's yeah. his talents are required and he's not needed there at all and then he thought he wanted a paradise but he does not no he wants to be needed to create one but he does not necessarily have any interest in living in it despite the fact that he thought he did um mm-hmm. and what's lovely about this is that that once the game morning leaves he finds a horseshoe in his cake and if you remember all the way back to episode one of this show when he first got this cake the the phillips tried to hand him a horseshoe instead of a, a spoon or a fork whatever he was one and <laughs> he got mad at him and said i don't need a goddamn horseshoe and he yet- said i don't need it yet yeah i remember him saying i you, don't need that yet are you sure he said yet i'm fairly certain yeah because that that I, completely changes what I'm about to say. If he said yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he said I don't need that yet. Because I remember thinking that's odd. 
<laughs> because I was going to say that in some way this Phillips was always like the reason why he was malfunctioning and giving him a horseshoe is because eventually there's supposed to be a horseshoe in the cake so he can escape because that's what he, he pulls out the horseshoe and he starts digging his way out with a horseshoe right mm-hmm. um but if you're saying that he said yeah that would imply that Vate knows that he eventually needs it for some reason like this yes. which would be weird why would Vate know that well, how is he going to use a horseshoe to escape well, he's digging with a horseshoe it's metal it's, it's strong enough to hold its shape as he scrapes with it I guess yeah <laughs> but I I, I, I like it's going to take a long time but, oh it's going to take I mean, maybe that's why it takes two years <laughs> Because it's going to take yeah, some time. Yeah, that's true. He does kind of pull the Shawshank by, like, moving a piece of furniture around in order to start digging. So, this is my thing. If he said yet, and he might have, I'm not saying you're wrong, I just don't remember it, but if he said yet, I can't explain why he would he would know he needs it later. With Phillips, though, so in my head, I, I was just, I was trying to form some sort of, you know, like, maybe the Phillips are starting to experience time like Manhattan does, but they're not aware of it and they're getting confused because they're just like clones and they're not smart enough mm. to sort of understand it. Or maybe it's to do with the fact that they keep getting killed and they're getting born again. Are, are they kind of sharing some of the same memories with each other? Is, is it this mess of knowledge? Mm. I don't know. Um, but cl- I mean, maybe. It- I mean, they do make the same cake every single time, even though they're different versions of them. But. I guess my question is, is it just meant to be a funny joke that because we know that sometimes he tries to give him a horseshoe, it's just luck it's in the cake? Because I'm not reading it that way. I'm reading it as the reason why... Horseshoe he... is a sign of luck. <laughs> True. But I'm reading it as, no, the reason why he made the mistake is because he was supposed to at some point give him the horseshoe so he could get so he could escape. Mm. I, I can't answer this question because it's one that I have still. But I, I could have sworn that he said I don't need that yet. That said, though, that said, there is something kind of beautiful about the randomness of it, that, like, the luck of fate kind of stepping in and giving him a, a means to escape. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. where Manhattan always thinks that there is, like, no, you know, choice. Everything's going to happen exactly the way it's supposed to happen. Right. Um, this idea that just because one of the clones messed up, and it's a clone that he made, you know, he he started making these clones, that, that the lineage of his clones eventually made this weird mistake that led to mm. so i can actually sort of see some fun thematic meaning behind it either way which is kind of cool so yeah yeah uh, whatever so he's digging his way out so uh Vite's coming home <laughs> somehow somehow literally true sending a rocket to get him i don't know i um, don't know what this I still have so many questions about Vite, and we only have one episode left, and we have to wrap up so much. We do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this episode gives... I mean, I still think there'll be some mysteries. Um, I will say this, though. If I don't see Lube Man in the final episode, I'm going to riot. Lube Man and Panda save Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> and, and Manhattan, despite all his powers, can't understand or predict what Lube Man's going to do because he's so slippery. He just can't get a hold of him. <laughs> stupid (laughs) yeah you're laughing at it you can't say shit (laughs) I will now I will now accept my apology for what? for not doing the thing halfway through where you say I'm amazing oh my god (laughs) 
I try to set up a joke so you could pay it off later. Mm-hmm. And then I try to do it a second time. Now that you're thinking that you then understood <laughs> what I was trying to do so you could pay off the joke. You had one fatal flaw. I hate watching you succeed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that us? Did we get to the end of the episode? I think we did. I think we successfully talked about the whole episode. Oh boy. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, only one more to go. They've got a lot of questions to wrap up. And I'm sure and this was a longer review. This is definitely the longest one we've done. I'm sure it'll probably be a similar length next week. Um, probably. I mean, the show is uh, heavy. <laughs> it's heavy in themes. It's heavy in story. It's heavy in character. Like, there's a lot to break down. Mm. Uh, but hey, uh, that is uh, that is us. So you can let us know what you thought of this episode of Watchmen in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all the usual stuff. You can get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. All that stuff does help and does support us. You can also support us by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars and a review. More people find us that way. Um, even though Tara's being unprofessional and yawning right into the mic. Um, <laughs> one other way you can support us, though, is <laughs> financially. And they can do that. How, Tara? Please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash mildfuzztv. Um, donations as low as a dollar per month will get you bonus episodes of other shows we do, including the Ace, our science fiction movie review show. So there's a lot of episodes on there. Um, I mean, not a whole lot now, but like there's like a few you can check out. Time Cop, um, Judge Dredd. So six or seven. The six or seven uh, bonus episodes. At the time yep. of recording, I think. And my voice is going because I had a coughing fit earlier, which might have been edited out. But Oh, it was definitely edited <laughs> Thanks out. Thanks for making me do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't think I ever get a coughing fit in the middle of the review and then have to like find my way back? Yep. Yep. Uh, I know, I listen to the show. <laughs> you have to just pro your way through. You have to be a pro and just do it. Yep. So this works. Oh jeez, what a, I'm not looking forward to editing this one, guys. I'll tell you, there was a few a few tangents that I'm going to have to get get the scissors, the trim scissors out to. It's not my fault. Like seven out of eight of them are your fault. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. I don't tangent. <laughs> I will take responsibility for asking a question that set you on a five-minute vegan warpath, but, like, the other ones were all your fault. <laughs> I should have known better. <laughs> I should have known better than asking a dumb vegan question. All right, that is... Uh, <laughs> that... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> See? See? Whoa, whoa, whoa. See? Is there a comma around those dumb and vegan words, or...? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there's a comma, yes. I'm not saying vegan ism itself is dumb i'm saying the question about veganism was dumb okay we good excellent <laughs> that is that has been our discussion of watchmen it has been an absolute travesty i don't even know why you guys even entertain the idea of listening to us talk about this for as long as we do but thank you very much we do appreciate it if you do we love you loads uh so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn away from the mate. That'll help the cough not be audible. <laughs> I tried. Keep watching TV, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Hope you got any vanilla.